We thank you for this book, the Bible. We thank you for what it says to us, and we pray that we can learn something from it tonight. So speak through the power of your spirit and encourage us and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, now, when we tell a story, we tend to miss out the long, boring bits, don't we? And uh, where nothing seems to happen. And, and Paul, the apostle, is a, in a way a case in point here. Um, perhaps we imagine his life as just one long, action-packed, thrilling story from start to finish. But was it really like that for Paul? Now, you probably know about, well, as we've read in this bit from Galatians, how Paul was um, a, a full-blooded Jew. He was zealous for the Jewish faith. He was the one who was responsible for persecuting Christians in Jerusalem and was possibly, um, we, was, we was there when Stephen, the first martyr, was put to death, possibly uh, the instigator of that. And then he had a, uh, a dramatic conversion. So unlike many conversions uh, that we hear about today, but his was r remarkable, it was dramatic. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Uh, and immediately he starts going out preaching. Uh, but he soon gets into hot water and has to flee for his life. But there are big chunks in his life about which we know very little. And we have to, perhaps we have to try and piece together the story of his life. Uh, and there are several bits in the New Testament that, that you can sort of, if you're a bit of a detective, you can try and say so this bit goes here and this bit goes there and this bit, you know, and we try and fit it together. All I want to try and do is to fit some of the story of Paul's life together. Um, well, if you turn back to Acts chapter 9, uh, you find there uh, his, um, <clears throat> his conversion, uh, and uh, very soon afterwards he has to flee. Um, and he flees from uh, the city of Damascus. He, he finds out about people who are planning to kill him, uh, and uh, they're keeping a watch over the city gates in order to kill him, verse, verse 23. Uh, followers, um, uh, his followers found out about this, and and they took him by night, they lower him in a basket over the wall of the city of Damascus. And, uh, and then, what happens next? Well, we, we pick up the story in, uh, in, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 17. Uh, and uh, he goes off to Arabia. Uh, and he remains there for some time. Possibly anything up to three years he was in Arabia. Um, he probably had very little contact with other people. Uh, it wasn't known for its vast population, um, but people were out to get him. He was on the run, uh, so he wasn't in contact with people very much during that time. And what did he do for three years? Uh, without any contact, perhaps no contact with Christians, um, perhaps no contact with many people at all. I suspect he was finding out about his newfound Christian faith. 
re-studying the Old Testament scriptures, reinterpreting them according to what he'd learned from about Jesus. I think it was a time when he started to explore what God was calling him to do. We read about that in right at the beginning of his, uh, well, when he was converted, God speaks to him straight away. Uh, in verse 16, Galatians 1:16, he says, he, he'd been called to reveal his son um, in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. That's what he was called to do. Uh, and now that was something quite revolutionary because so far the gospel had only been preached to Jews and to Samaritans, not to the Gentiles. So perhaps this being so revolutionary, Paul decided he needed to check it out with the leaders of the church. So he returns to Damascus, Galatians 1.17, and then uh, on to Jerusalem, as it says in, in verse 18. Um, but you have to go back into the Acts of the Apostles now. Um, chapter 9, verse 26. Let's just go back there a minute. Acts chapter 9, verse 26. He came to Jerusalem and he tried to join the apostles, but they were all afraid of him, not believing he was really a disciple. Why, why was that? Well, because he had been the one who had instigated the persecution of Christians. So they were not too pleased when Paul arrived back in Jerusalem. They were very cautious. They were afraid of him. And uh, Barnabas, uh, he was a Jerusalem Christian. He was the uncle of John Mark. He, John Mark was the one who wrote Mark's gospel. And Barnabas is the one who first approaches Saul. Saul, um, call him Saul. Some, uh, he's called both Saul and Paul. He had a a Jewish name, and he had a Roman name. Uh, and initially he was called Saul, but then he tended to, to change over to being called Paul. So if I use the word interchangeably, you know who I'm talking about. Um, chapter 9, verse Acts 9, 26. He came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the apostles, but Barn, verse 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So he is introduced and he meets uh, Peter, the apostle, as we read about in Galatians chapter 1. He meets with Peter, but actually calls him Cephas here. Again, Peter has several names. Cephas being one of them, uh, Cephas meaning, meaning uh, Simon Peter, Cephas a rock. And uh, he also introdu gets introduced to James as well. Now Paul can't keep quiet. He's back among people again, uh, uh, rather than being out in a lonely desert. And he starts to preach the gospel in the name of Jesus. Uh, and because of his call to the Gentiles, we read that he starts, in, again in Acts chapter 9, verse uh, 29, he starts, he talked and debated with the Hellenist, Hellenistic Jews. Um, or the Hellenists, 
Um, I'm not sure if Hellenistic Jews is correct, but um, we're not quite sure uh, who the Hellenists are. Um, are, are they are they they they're Jews, but Hellenistic means Greek as well, so it's difficult to know exactly who he's talking about. Soon Paul's life is in danger. Uh, the Hellenists want to kill him. Um, they were um, sometimes we see them as Hellenists being becoming Christians, but in this case they're definitely not Christians, uh, and they were out to have Paul put to death. So when the Christian brothers find out what was being planned, they sent Paul off from Jerusalem to Caesarea. Caesarea is on the coast. It's a, a Roman city. We went there a couple of years ago. Um, it's where um, uh, the, uh, the, the Roman, it was a port. Uh, there's a castle there and uh, uh, it's a Roman town. And he'd be safer there, away from the, uh, these Hellenistic Jews. Uh, but then he was soon on a boat across the Mediterranean Sea to his birthplace, Tarsus. That's in the southeast of, um, of modern-day Turkey. Now, if you move on again uh, into Galatians chapter 2 this time. After 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem this time with Barnabas. Um, so he doesn't go back to Jerusalem for 14 years. So we now have a second blank period in Paul's life when we don't know much about what's going on. What did he do for 14 years? Think about 14 years ago. I was still about 15, I think, at that time. Um, and... Uh, Perhaps he'd back in his birthplace, he was a tent maker, perhaps he'd gone back into the family business as a tent maker. We don't know. doesn't say. Perhaps he was just working. I wonder if he continued. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he didn't just work. I'm sure he continued to study about his faith, spend, spending time praying, um, confirming the call that God had given him to preach to the Gentiles. Now, something else was going on in the meantime. In Acts chapter 11, verse 19 and following. Let's just find that for a moment. Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Now, those who'd been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Of all people who should go, it was Barnabas, the one who had first introduced Paul to the apostles in Jerusalem. And Barnabas knew, because he'd spoken with Paul, he knew about Paul's call to the Gentiles. So when Barnabas goes to Antioch and sees non-Jews 
being converted to Christ and joining the church, what do you think he thinks? What do you think's in his mind? I think he goes back those 14 years and remembers Paul. So Paul, sorry, Barnabas goes off, it says Barnabas goes off and looks for Paul in Tarsus to find him and he brings him back with him to Antioch. So together, Paul and Barnabas spend a whole year together preaching and teaching the gospel. And the church grows, it flourishes, particularly among non-Jewish people. And that's where um, we're going to end this, the, the, this part of the story about Paul at the beginning of chapter, uh, Galatians chapter 2. I, I don't know if you're going to do chapter 2 next week. I don't know how your lectionary runs or how you pick the readings or what, but I thought perhaps chapter 2 was next, next, week, next Sunday night, so I thought I'd better stay clear from that one. Uh, and uh, I don't want to jump the gun. So what can we learn from this part of the story about Paul, about what, what can we learn? Um, why could Paul do such great things for the Lord through his lifetime? Was it because he spent perhaps anything up to 17 years doing very little? There were intermittent times of activity when we read about that in the, in the New Testament. But most of the time, we found out very little about him. I spent, I guess he spent most of his time growing in faith, meditating, seeking God's will. What is God calling me to do? Paul was praying. He was studying the Old Testament scriptures. Perhaps he was meeting other Christians and finding out more about Jesus. Perhaps he was just being in God's presence, opening his life up to the Lord, allowing God to do what he wanted with him. You know, God has got a work for you, each one of you, everyone here. If you are a Christian believer, God has something for you to do. But it may not be just yet when he wants you to do it. It may not be the right time yet but don't give up because Paul waited anything up to 17 years. That's a long time to wait before he started his full-blown Christian ministry. You and I may have to wait 17 years. We may have to wait 35 years or longer. Or perhaps it might be shorter as well. We don't know. Hopefully, for most of us, it'll be shorter than 35 years because... But before our time of active service for God comes a time of preparation. First, we need to hear God speaking to us. What is God calling me to do? Paul knew right from the beginning. But perhaps for us, it might be a struggle to find out what is God calling me to do? I don't know what God is calling you to do. It's hard enough finding out what God wants me to do, never mind everybody else as well. But we need to listen to what God is saying. Sound it out with other Christian believers. And uh, then perhaps we need to spend time in the desert, times of quiet reflection before we go out and do something. It's easy to rush out as soon as we think we've got an idea and, 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 and run off at a tangent and do something. It might not be what God wants us to do. 
we need to reflect and think about, is it really what God is calling me to do my life's work? So I think there are lessons for us all to learn. Patience. I'd like to have patience, but I want it now. You, few of you have all heard that one. Persistence, faithfulness, keeping on going. You know, when nothing's happening, it's so easy just to get discouraged, isn't it? Um, just keeping it plodding on in spite of the difficulties. Um, there's a time in the church's year which is called ordinary time. Do you know that? Yeah, Pat does. Yeah, ordinary time. And most of the year is ordinary time. Don't get discouraged when it's ordinary time. Because in that time, God is preparing us for what is to come. What is it that sustains us through ordinary time when nothing much is happening? I think for Paul it was probably this book. Well, not all of it, because he didn't have the full book, did he? He only had the first part of it, the Old Testament. But God sustains us through his word and through speaking to us. So let's spend our time in the ordinary times of life, listening to God, listening to his word, studying his word, getting on with the ordinary things, but don't get discouraged when nothing seems to happen. When you don't have a miracle happening here at St. Stephen's every week, don't be discouraged because God is using these times for preparation. I remember in my past uh, parish, I, I was there for quite a long time, uh, and uh, the first 15 years... Nothing happened. Nothing very much happened. There was gradual decline in the church. But God was working. And then there was a short time after that when we saw quite, well, looking back on it, we look and now we see it was quite dramatic growth. But even when we were in that time, what seemed like dramatic growth, when we look back on it, but when we were in that time, it didn't seem like dramatic growth at the time. It just seemed week by week, it was encouraging. And then the next week, or the week after that, it was encouraging. But put together, those things led to, to growth. Um, I, I only half heard this um, on, the, on the television this evening on Songs of Prayers. Anybody watch Songs of Prayers? Uh, I was uh, reading through this when Jackie just called me in and said um, there was a church there in Stoke-on-Trent, he said, where there was, it was a small struggling church and then they, had, they started some work with asylum seekers and in, in, in a year, 60 Muslims. Does anybody hear that? Yeah? So, great things can happen, and great things <coughs> do happen, but not every day. So let's not get discouraged when nothing happens this week or next week, but let's keep plodding on, because in the long run, God has a plan for us to do great things among us. Amen.